Hi, listeners. Welcome to the final episode of Series 1 of Reach Out Parents Live. I'm Melissa Hoyer, your host and parent of a teenager. And whilst I'm sad to finish the series, I'm really excited about today's episode. Today we're talking about body image and eating disorders. Negative body image and eating disorders are things that almost every young person will be exposed to in one way or another. They're complex issues that require careful navigation. So we're happy you're here to get some extra support. Today I'm joined by two great guests. First, we'll be speaking with Julia Thompson, psychologist and national manager of the Butterfly Foundation's Helpline. And later in the show, Juliet and I will be joined by Gavin Holman, who'll share his experience being the dad of a teenager with an eating disorder. We'll be answering questions submitted via comments on Facebook where this conversation originally appeared. So let's get into it. So welcome, welcome um, Juliet Thompson. Thank you. So Juliet, um, Butterfly Foundation, psychologist, uh, you obviously deal with, 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 with children and with issues. Tell us exactly what you do do and what is body image? Sure, look, <clears throat> um, the Butterfly Foundation um, is in existence to really be the voice of the lived experience mm. for eating disorders. And when it comes to body image, it is essentially how somebody thinks and feels about their physical body. And a person can have a positive sense of body, they can have a negative uh, body image, and they can have a neutral one and anything in between. Um, is, I mean, with body image, I think it, it, there were so many meanings to it. I mean, people, mm. and, and we look at social media and I think we have people thinking, oh, you know, I don't look like that, you know, I want to look like that. Do you find that is sort of a, when you do speak to families, um, that's sort of a re reoccurring thing that social media has become an issue? Sure. Look, I think because social media um, pivots on the visual image, images, and that can exacerbate and um, play a role in, in body um, confidence. So, mm. yes, I think um, used incorrectly or, or with limited awareness of how to appropriately use it, yes. generally media can, can play a role. Yep. Of course, Juliet, we've got everyone. We've got a lot of questions today because, of sure. course, if you do want to ask a question, go to the comments section of this page and please, please ask, and we'll we'll hopefully get to it. And with that in mind, we've got a question already that's in from James. How can I tell if my teenager has a negative body image? Sure. Look, there are some clues that you can look out for, and one of those might be. Noticing that your teenager or, or your loved one um, is speaking a lot about uh, their sense of body and they're very focused um, in a negative sense on what they look like or perhaps comparing right. themselves to others. Mm -hmm. That's one, one clue. But the, the honest answer is you need to have a conversation mm. with your loved one or maybe multiple conversations yes. and really cultivate a sense of curiosity and openness yes. in exploring that topic of body image. But, but how, and how difficult is, is having that conversation? 
Look, it can be really challenging, um, particularly with young people that perhaps um, don't want to readily chat. Yes. So I think it's about uh, being persistent and being curious and genuine in that. And maybe it's about having one conversation to yeah. open the topic up, up and then revisiting it and, mm. and showing them that you care and whatever answer they give you, you're okay with. So I guess as, as parents, I mean, so how do we then cultivate a positive body image that our children will have sure. about themselves? I think one of the first places that you can start is role modelling your own positive body image. And that, that's a hard task for many of us. Mm. So I would say if that is something that is not quite uh, appropriate or you're not quite there yet, role model the desire to have body acceptance mm -hmm. and role model that you feel that it's important to do that in your life. Yes. Um, and that has co positive consequences to um, ha cultivating that positive acceptance of body. I think we've got a few graphics too that that actually you know go through exactly some of the 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 the, the things that can be done mm. to cultivate that image. Let's go through those. So so like focus on what your body can do. What do you mean by that? I think it's really important to cultivate in yourself and others um, that idea of appreciating what your body is capable of. If you really dig down into what your body does every day, how many heartbeats, mm -hmm. what, what is required for your body to work, it is remarkable. Yes. Um, so I think understanding and appreciating that, that this is a vessel that we are in to live this life is really important. And there's an, I think there's another, another mm. one too. We've got a couple of um, there's other one about questioning what you see in the media. That's right. That's I think that because with media mm. and that's just not we're not just talking social media. Media, you know, in in its entirety. So tell me about that. Sure. I mean, understanding that media is a a complex mechanism and that images are often altered. Uh, to tell a story that is, mm. is desired by the media, whether it be social media yep. or, or mainstream media. So when we say um, understanding media, it's about understanding that what you see may not always be the truth. Mm. That's probably not, it's often 90% of the time. And the third one is um, to hang out with positive people. I, think, I really thought this point was really salient. Tell me about that. It's important to surround yourself with positive people and people that are role modelling and ex um, able to to accept and appreciate their body because yeah. those messages will you'll absorb those and that and that can be i mean we as as as, as parents we're sort of mature enough to sort of do that but teenagers it's very hard to say to a teenager you know i don't think that blah blah is a great person for you to be hanging out with that's right. Isn't it? And one way we can um, flip that is to open a conversation and ask questions. So instead of saying, I don't think so-and-so is very good to hang out with, mm. perhaps it could be, you know, you've been talking a little bit about how so-and-so said this and said that and maybe didn't make you feel so great. Yeah. What might it look like mm. to not be um, as friendly or, or to remove yourself or find some more positive people mm. in your life, what would that look like? And it's okay if the person, you know, loved one says, no, that would be too challenging. Yes. Fine, explore that. Okay, why would that be too challenging? Break it down. Mm. And do you think, is there 
um, much difference of, about with body image between girls and guys? No. Oh. Yeah, the, the quick essential answer is no. Why? What we know is that body image and cultivating a positive body image is important for men, women, males, females, any gender in between. Um, cultivating that body image is something that we really should prioritise in our life, no matter what the gender, and encourage the people around us to do the same. Well, I guess we've explored body image, but I think the other thing now that we want to talk about are eating disorders. And uh, have been, we've been joined on the couch by a lovely father of two beautiful young women, one's 17, one's 18, Gavin Coleman. Holman, I'm sorry. Gavin, hello, welcome. I'm Thank sorry. you for being here. Thank you for having so me. So what, um, I mean, you know, what really brings you here today? Uh, to share a lived experience that uh, hopefully my comments um, can help other parents out there uh, deal with this um, illness. So, so, so tell, tell us your story and, and what has happened within your family. So our youngest daughter um, at about 13 developed uh, anorexia. Mm -hmm. uh, we're a very close family and very sporty so we were fortunate um, given that our youngest uh, well, both daughters were in swimming squads mm -hmm. five mornings a week. We were able to visually detect that there was uh, an issue. Uh, and very shortly after the discussion my wife and I had, we discussed it with our daughter, mm -hmm. which was met with much resilience, uh, anger, and uh, it was a very difficult discussion. Yes. But we knew within ourselves and knowing our children that there was definitely something wrong uh, we hadn't pinpointed an eating disorder, but we knew that there was an issue. So from that, that initial realisation that there was something wrong and until the point of diagnosis, I, I guess, how long, how long was that? Internal or our diagnosis was well, we, about we, three weeks. Yeah. Uh, professional diagnosis was some time after that. Yes. Um, but we really worked with the professionals, mm. the paediatrician who is... A saint. Yes. Um, our psychologist, nutritionist, and our GP, who was the start of mm. of this um, uh, course to um, bring her back to good health. And, and how difficult, though, was it for number one, your, your daughter, to I guess acknowledge the fact that she did have an, an, an issue? Was that was that probably the first? major hump and hurdle she had to personally get over before like acknowledgement mm. before she then could go on her sort of getting healthy getting healthier yeah, sort of journey the old saying break the camel's back it really did um, she had to admit uh, it's like any addiction or mental health issue once she admitted she had an issue yep. uh, it was so much easier to help her yes because there was so much denial. Mm. But I also think, given her age, and there's even younger people that are inflicted with this insidious illness, mm. there's a lot of confusion. Um, there's not only confusion when you're a parent, but as a child. Yes. What is an eating disorder? Mm. I couldn't answer that before we experienced it as a mm. family. How is a child going to answer that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a very complex... And, Julia, you um, must get that at, at the foundation. I mean, that you would have so many stories, I guess, like Gavin's family, stories coming in. Um, 
you know, what what are some of the facts and figures? I mean, what sort of numbers are we looking at when it does come to, you know, body image issues, eating disorders? Sure. <clears throat> You're right. This, these types of stories, what you've mentioned today, we hear all the time on the helpline, particularly that, that resistance mm. when you first bring the conversation up. So um, what we know is remarkably at, um, at, at present, over a million Australians are struggling with an eating disorder. And that extends to two million carers are caring for someone with an eating disorder. At, very interestingly, only about 25% of people experiencing an eating disorder are currently in treatment. Mm, mm. So it does speak to the, to the challenges yeah. yes. of, of seeking that treatment. I've got a question in actually from, from Caroline. Um, would you suggest conversations that focus on health versus body size? I guess I might get that from you first, Juliet. What do you think? I think that is a good a good starting mm. point. My advice to parents is always reach out to get information and education yep. to, to suit um, your particular situation. But as a general statement, yes. Um, when working um, in with an eating disorder and supporting somebody, it is it is best to work to, to focus in on what's not working for that individual. Mm. And health might be one of those points where they say you know, um, I, I like what I'm doing, but I don't like that I'm out of breath now. Yes. So focusing on that and say, well, we need to we need to work on that. So these are the things we're going to have to do. So, so Gavin, did you find that even with, with your daughter, sort of that you know that that sort of difference between be a body image and size? Because I think you know so many young you know teenagers, they 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 they're you know, obsessed about size. Was that one of the issues with your daughter? No. Um, mm. She was an athletic young woman. Wow. Um, mm. you know, approaching um, you know, puberty. Mm. And uh, it was... So many parts played a role, mm. um, but there was a tipping point, and that was uh, bullying, uh, but social media um, perceptions uh, played an enormous role. Yeah. Um, but, no, it was not you know, about your body. Mm. We know that eating disorders affect people of all different shapes and sizes. Yes. There is not one body that is um, more uh, at risk. It really can occur in any shape or size. Mm. So, Gavin, what, so what did you find that worked best for your family? I mean, once it was you sat down and your daughter, you know, broke the camel's back, you know, admitted what, you know, what her issue was, what worked for you? How did you go about then uh, sort of the, getting her back onto a sort of a, an even keel? Well, the important thing is you can't do it alone. No. Um, and it's persistence, but having wonderful support around you. Mm. And that includes greater parts of your family. So you must communicate. Yes. Not only with your child. Yep. Um, or loved, loved one, but with the broader community because you need everyone to help you. And mm. it's not just your paediatrician, uh, your GP and your um, uh, uh, psychologist and nutritionist. You need everybody to be part um, and, of the journey. And uh, does your daughter have a really lovely group of friends? Because um, I think one of the points we were talking about before was mm. you, you really have to get people out of your life who are negative influences. Um, so did you find that her gang of friends really stuck with her and helped her through? Well, it's, it's interesting. There was some negative uh, friendships mm. um, at her previous school. Right. Uh, but also some lovely 
nurturing mm. young people. But again, we're talking about 13-year-olds and we don't have that expectation yeah. that a 13-year-old will deal with someone that has a mental illness. Mm. Um, but uh, with her new school, and that's not why we change schools, uh, it was for a completely different reason, but her new school, she has the most gorgeous friends, boys and girls. Great, yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, care for her mm. as, as she cares for them. Good. So it's great. Got a, a question in from um, Sandra. Oh, okay. Um, um, How much should my daughter's school know about her illness? I'll probably, Gavin, you might um, answer that one. Um, they should know everything. Yeah. Um, and... I think, again, there's no stigma. Mm. It's not a failure of parenting. Uh, parenting. Yeah. Invite everybody to assist you. you know, not that you're boring them and bashing them on mm. it, but the school needs to know because your child is with that school 10 hours a day, or I'm sorry if it's slightly wrong, but they're with them a lot more than you are. So they need to be able to monitor that yes. your child is eating you know, play lunch, lunch, and, and you know, participating in, in activities at school. Yes. Um, you can't be there. Mm. I mean, you can if you insist, but most parents can't be at school all day, every day. That's right. So, so the so school it, needs to be involved. Yeah, it does need to be involved. And, and that's, you know, yet, yet another thing that the schools, probably there are some schools that don't have the resources to be looking out for potential, you know, people with eating disorders. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I sort of feel for, for teachers as well because they've got so many things now they need to be looking out for. Mm. Do you find? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, time poor. Yeah. Um, parents, time poor. But, you know, these are special little people. Yeah, we're crazy. <laughs> uh, these little and people. We've, yeah. we've got to make sure that they're on the best path possible. Yeah that we can provide mm. them. Um, you need them involved, schools. Cameron um, has a question for Juliet. Okay, so we're on to our third round of family-based treatment called the Maudsley Method. It's for their teenager. At what stage should changes be expected and what's the likelihood it will work? Sure. So <clears throat> we know that um, the Maudsley method of treatment is the leading evidence. So what, what is that? Just it's a, it's a, a family-based yep. intervention that requires um, the family to, in, in different stages, to um, be very involved in recovery and treatment. And at the moment, it has the best evidence for um, the treatment of anorexia um, in young people as a first port of call. So we know that it can work. Um, it doesn't always work. And you need to be having conversations with the treatment team. At the third round, mm -hmm. we, you definitely need to be having those conversations and um, pushing into understanding why it hasn't been effective right. and perhaps exploring whether there might be other interventions that are more appropriate for your situation at that time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just out of interest, mm. we adopted the Maudsley Did method. Did you? Yes. yes. So we researched it ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't uh, until May 2017 acknowledgement by the government that uh, anorexia or an eating disorder was a mental health issue. Mm. So everyone was pretty silent on, yes. on eating disorders. Maudsley was brilliant, it's out of the UK. Mm -hmm. We read the book, gave the book to family members um, and that in isolation and your family in isolation is not going to fix it. No. You need a team of people yes. um, that are going to 
professionally assist you. You can't self-diagnose and you can't just treat out of the book, but yes. um, we're great supporters of Maudsley. Yeah. Um, in terms of the question about timing, mm. Every person is different. Mm. Mm. I don't think there's a book that's, right. that's going to say, say it's going it's to going take... It's going to happen in a year or two years or... The average is yeah. seven years, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, that's right, that's right. The average so is seven, so... Extending that, you know, if, mm. if you're having conversations that are not satisfying, yep. then explore different treatment teams. Be open in that mm. and, and tell your treatment team that, you know, that you'd like to expand the treatment team, but it's about persisting um, and having conversations. Mm. And, yeah, sorry, I, I did see a, um, a Californian professor speak on this very, very topic and he just said, not one method for one child. It's everyone's an individual yes. and you've got to go through and work out what is best for that it's individual. Like, it's like, that's like any kind of mental illness. That's there right. are degrees of, 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 of therapy for, for anyone with, with, with a mental illness. So mm. the same goes for an eating, eating disorder, which is a mental illness. Yeah. Not one tablet fix all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so how talking, I guess, about social media, which is such a big part of the lives, particularly of teenagers and, and all of us, how can social media play a role in body image and eating disorders? Um, you, you know, I think, Gavin, you have touched on that briefly, but do you want to sort of expand on, on that? Well, with social media, um, we saw it as an influence yes. and not a positive influence. So we banned social media for the, the period yep. that was necessary. Yep. Uh, we just tried to stop any outside influences mm. projecting a negative image for mm. our daughter. How did that, I mean, but how difficult was that? Because let's face it, to say to a teenager now, we are banning everything. Was she incredibly angry about oh, that? Oh, absolutely. But when we asked her to eat, we had challenges. Like yes. there was fights every single day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a day without um, aggressive behaviour. Mm. Um, it was uh, so banning social media is actually an easier um, experience yep. than an alternative. Do you find, Julia, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, um, one of the challenges of caring for someone with an eating disorder is having to put in those very strong boundaries and coping with the backlash, mm. coping with your, your, the person that you love so dearly being upset by that and having to persist knowing that that short-term pain is going to support a positive outcome. Yes. So, Turning off the Wi-Fi in your house is painful for everybody, but the alternative is a lot more painful. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we've had a question actually in from um, um, Jessie. Jessie asks, how can I help someone with bulimia? That's probably perhaps a question for you, Juliet, to start with. Yeah, I guess it depends on um, the position that you have um, in relation to the person, whether they're your um, daughter or son. Um, one of the first things that anyone interested in helping can do is get information and education, for instance, through Butterflies National Helpline. Yep. Um, we have specially trained um, psychologists and mental health professionals to, to provide that guidance um, because bulimia, like an anorexia, is very complicated and it, it might look a little bit different for everybody. Yes. So getting the information can arm you with the right tools to have the right conversations and offer the right supports. Mm. So I guess, Gavin, I mean, let's face it, supporting a teenager with an eating disorder 
would be is difficult. You've been through it. But how do you support yourself? What sort of things did you have to keep in mind that kept you and your wife sort of, you know, together and being able to cope and with it, what, what you were going through? It's, it's another challenge. That's an yeah. So what, really so what did you do? Um, again, you just have to communicate. Um, and you're going through... Uh, greater emotional experiences yes. because you're seeing this little person that you've created as a couple uh, in a really desperate medical situation. Mm. Um, so you've got to remain incredibly strong uh, and pay attention to one another. Yes. Uh, and you also need to be, you know, mentally and physically capable yourself. Oh, I thought, yeah, you, uh, you'd probably talk about that because that you, you, when you're supporting someone who is unwell, you need to be strong and healthy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. D- did you swim? Did you walk? Yeah. Did you run? Uh, I you... continued my exercise. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's so important for them to see you continuing to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, know, you try not to change your, your family's routine. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's, it's thrown into chaos. Mm. But you try as hard as you can mm. to keep some level of normality. One of the analogies that we mm. often share with carers calling the helpline is um, similarly to an aircraft where the oxygen mask comes down, yeah. you have to put yours on first yes. because you're not going to be able to assist the people you love if you've passed out. Mm. Same goes with, with self-care in these type of situations. It's very, very hard to do and we hear a lot of parents have guilt for doing that, but it's actually crucial because mm. you can't give your loved one your best if it's not there. Yes. Uh, a question from Diane. She asks, how do I know my daughter is actually hearing me when I explain things and offer support? Juliet? Communicating with your loved one um, around recovery from an eating disorder is actually really hard and um, it requires very uh, practice skills. Persistence. Persistence. Uh, so in terms of understanding what's going on for your loved one when you're talking. It's really important knowing that they might be shutting down because they might feel attacked, even though that you're not coming from that perspective. Understanding that's what they might be feeling will assist you in in certain things that you can say Mm -hmm. to open them up and to um, enable them to know you're there to help. And curiosity is a great tool for mm. showing somebody that you're genuinely interested and you're okay with whatever um, they tell you. So, Gavin, um, I can't believe that we're nearly out of time. God, we could be here for hours. But, I mean, I guess when you think of what you've, you've been through and probably continue to, do you have a sort of a final message for, for parents out there who may be going through what you have gone through or may have teenagers, you know, who have been through an eating disorder or who have an eating disorder? Yeah, it's persistent communication yep. and, and ask for help. There is no harm in asking for help. When we became parents, we weren't given a manual. No. Uh, it's, um, it's different for absolutely everybody and everyone's got a story and you just pick what's going to suit your family. Mm. Um, and that's the only way you're going to progress. And fortunately, fortunately, asking for help is something that we are doing more of. I mean, just with initiatives like your, your Are You OK Days and all yes. those things. Mm. You know, we, we, I think that that, that stigma thing, mm. whilst still around for some people, isn't as great as it once was. 
Juliet, would you That's find right. that? We have, a, we have a whole helpline there dedicated waiting yeah. to speak and support to people struggling, yes. whether they're experiencing or, or a carer. And uh, reaching out and getting that support is essential. Yep. And, and using it as well to arm yourself with the information and education that's going to enable you to give your very best and to support in the best way that you can. Thanks for joining us today and for the whole Reach Out Parents Live series. I've learned so much from our amazing guests and want to thank them all for giving up their time to sit on this couch with me. Thank you to all the parents and carers who've tuned in live on Facebook and listened afterwards to the podcast. This series only exists because you all care so much about the young people in your lives. If you found this series useful, we'd love it if you could please share the podcast with another parent and leave a comment or a rating. And if you want more information and support, you can head to reachout.com forward slash parents. We've really loved making this podcast for Australian parents and carers. So make sure you subscribe now so you can get updates on series two.